Um, I want to say it's like Larry or Larry. It's or... not Larry. <laughs> Larry. Sorry. <laughs> but I love the idea of it, so let's call her Larry for right now. Okay, Larry. <laughs> Larry. Sing me a song of a last that is gone. Say, could that last be I? Mary of soul, she sailed on a day over the sea to sky. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Weston, and with me today is Ella Kopakin to talk about, if you haven't guessed already from the music, the book Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. This book was taken and made into a TV series that is wildly popular, and the music that you just heard is, of course, the theme music to that series. What a treat it was to talk about Outlander with Ella, because I think we both went into it with very low expectations, because it's just a fun drama set in the Scottish Highlands, but boy, were we wrong. It actually had some depth to it. There is a reason that this book is so highly rated and so highly loved and so highly talked about, um, even being published over 20 years ago. So I think this was such a fun opportunity to talk about it with someone uh, like Ella, who has lived in this area of the world and can give us a little bit more context uh, to that as well. And you know, it's always fun talking about a love story, but especially with Ella, where we don't get to talk about love stories all that often. So what a treat it was. Uh, please stay tuned if you are an Outlander fan or if you're just looking for a fun conversation about a hot Scottish dude and a hot British woman getting together um, and falling in love. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. Ding dong! <laughs> We're back! It hey. is January of 2024! Yeah, it is. Happy New Year! Bud. Happy New Year. Uh, as you can see, we're starting off real strong with uh, Ella <laughs> fighting a sickness. But <laughs> Yeah, so just so everybody knows, um, I'm not putting on like a sort of jazz standard voice energy. I um, have asthma that gets flared up whenever I get sick. So had a little cold fever situation over the weekend and now I can't you know, carry a sentence. Today in a meeting at work, I ran out of breath mid-sentence. So we're firing. So, so if you just hear in the background, like, <laughs> it's fine. And you know what's perfect for this is doing a podcast. It really just makes it better. Um, yeah. And I... I want it to be known. I did not force her to be here. This is no, by no, her no. own accord. This is of this is of my own James Jamie volition. Okay, I am here for one reason and one goal. I am here for one united goal, and that is James Fraser. Dear listeners, is to talk about the book of the day, which is Outlander. Outlander. Uh, I'm so I, excited. And you could not have been the more perfect person to talk about this with because our own Ella lived in this, lived the Highlander life. I lived for it. a while. Well, can I just briefly, like, before we dive in, just yeah. preface this? So, like, when I was, when did this show come out? Like, 20, uh, 2014. 2014. Okay, so peak. So, this show mm-hmm. came out when I was a freshman in high school. And,. I, like, already had just, like, a random obsession with Scotland, and I started watching the first season and was just so, like, 14-year-old girl, like, I'm obsessed. Like, this is the best fucking show on TV. And then, like, watched through the second and third season, and it just got progressively so bad. I gave up. I was like, I don't care anymore. Like, I can't. I can't commit. And then... I like moved to Scotland for college and no, obviously no human being in Scotland is watching Outlander or like is, is ingesting Outlander in any way because like, why would they? It's ridiculous. So then when you were like, oh, I really want to read a series, 
with you. I was like, oh, Lord, do I dare? <laughs> do I dare dive into my childhood obsession? And what I will say is we can talk about the book, but just right off the bat, went went back, watched some of the first season just to get just to get my palette, you know, ready so bad like truly atrocious and i cannot believe how invested i was in this show but it's one of those it's so bad it's good Mm-mm. like you're absolutely just eating it up did oh you watch God. did you did you and casey watch the show so we are through the wedding episode <laughs> okay we we'll watched talk. that last night so we'll talk oh yeah um <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, this is a uh, this was one that just like came out of left field and um yeah, we just got we just got to get into it. Yeah. Uh, so this is fun. So, first of all, what are you drinking tonight? So, I like actually have discovered a beer that's become like my regular beer for the first time in my life. Whoa. Oh. Um it is called Devil's Backbone. It, my brief my brief note is I have recently discovered that I really like Belgian and German beer. Like, those are my favorite beers. And uh, I never put that together until I had this beer. And I was like, oh, I think Belgian-style beer is for me. But it's mm-hmm. really good. It's, like, made pretty locally to where I am in Central Texas. And um, it's incredibly high alcohol content for a beer. <laughs> it's, like, 7% alcohol, which is crazy. Nice. So, nice. um you know, between the asthma and the fever and this beer, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> this will just be fun. Oh, my gosh. What about well, you? Well, I'm also drinking a German beer, uh, the Hefeschweizen. Uh, oh, the Hefeschweizen. The Hefeschweizen uh, from Vassen Brewing Company here in Richmond, Virginia. So look at, us, little... look at us with our little local beers. <laughs> local beers. We're like craft beer girls. Also, like, who are we? We're like, oh, we're reading a Scottish book? Perfect. Let's bring out the Belgian beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do whiskey. And then um, I just, I was like, I, I, we don't have anything to mix it with right now. And I was like, I don't think I can shoot straight whiskey on a Monday night. Um God, you know what? An alternative to this podcast, and we're not going to do it because it'd be disgusting and I don't have it in the house, but an alternative version of this podcast should have been us just pouring yourselves like triple shot glasses of whiskey and just like <laughs> slowly sipping it throughout the episode and forcing ourselves to like it. Oh, that? Maybe book two? Come back Maybe. behind the paywall? Electric boogaloo? We just get crunk? <laughs> That would be so funny. Just like drunk reviews of Outlander. <laughs> yeah. Literally, there are so many books in this series. It will happen. <laughs> All right. Well, let's you this perfect lead in. Yes, we read Outlander by Diana. Gab- you try to say that Gabaldon? last name. Gabaldon? 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 You know what it is. So this book was, <laughs> from here on out, we will be referring to her as Diana. Yes. You know that? We shall. Uh, this book was published in 1991. Crazy. Uh, so for this podcast, this is our classic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Just kidding. But yeah. <laughs> uh, it does qualify. Uh, yeah, it-ish. It... <laughs> My qualification of a classic is anything over 10 years old. Great. So, super. Um, but it is book one of a uh, soon to be 10 book series. Jesus. There are nine books that have been released, and there's no news on the new release yet. Uh, but the 10th book will be the last book in the Outlander series. Thanks, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, this book received a 4.3 out of 5 on Goodreads. No, it didn't. Sure did. <laughs> Um, and then the, as we were talking about the 2014 series premiere, um, of the same name and it <laughs> pretty much follows the book word for word, uh, yeah. which is great. It's so fun. Uh, it did receive a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 8.4, so consider, it's certified fresh, uh, this is an 8.4 ridiculous. out of 10 on IMDb. You have, uh, Sam Hugan playing Jamie. 
It's Sam Hewen. It's Sam Hewen. Sorry, Sam Hewen as Jamie, and then you have Katrina Balfe. Is it really just Katrina? Yeah, it's Katrina. It's just the Irish spelling, I think. Katrina Balfe as Claire. 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 Um, (laughs) um, I'm sorry, you're not referring to her properly. Her name is Sassenach. Okay. (laughs) Sassenach. Oh, God. Uh, by February 2022, uh, development has begun on a prequel series titled Outlander, Blood Guys, of My Blood. this is my announcement. It's me being cast. Okay, congratulate me, because I will be playing Jamie's mother in the prequel. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. Well, a little bit about Diana. She has served as the co-producer and advisor for the TV series. She holds three degrees in science, um, not the science you would think, it's <laughs> zoology, marine biology, and quantitative behavioral ecology. Excuse me? From whence? From where? That's, um, cr- that's absurd. That's insane. I love yeah. her so much more now. <laughs> She's a native of Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, Diana and her husband have three adult children and two grandchildren. Uh, Diana worked a dozen years as a university professor before beginning to write her first novel, Outlander, in 1989. (gasps) Through the late 80s, she wrote scientific articles and textbooks, working as a contributor editor on the Macmillan Encyclopedia of Computers. Are you kidding me? Founded the scientific computation journal Science Software Quarterly, contributed articles to tech magazines such as InfoWorld, and wrote numerous comic book strips for Walt Disney. None so she's a genius. Anything, none of this has anything whatever to do with her novels. She's a genius. She's genius. She's freaking awesome. I, I'm like obsessed with this person. And then yeah. she was just like, and by the way, I'm also going to write one of the most successful romance series in history. And I was fully ready to be like, she studied studied Scottish history, got a doctorate in like the history of the Highlands. And it was just like, no, nah. zoology. <laughs> She's so intelligent that she was like, do you know what my pastime is going to be? Scottish history in the form of <laughs> sex, in the form of porn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, I love her. Oh my God, I knew none of this. This is incredible. She's amazing. This is why we do this. This is why we do what we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, let's get into it. A little summary. And I'm sorry, we're going to be slipping in and out of uh, Scottish accents as we go through just oh, terrible yeah. Scottish accents as we Which, go through this. By the way, I apologize to anyone who I went to university with. <laughs> I'm like- so sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, continue. Here we go. So the year is 1945. Claire yeah, Randall, a former combat nurse, is just back from the war and reunited with her husband on a second honeymoon when she walks through a standing stone in one of the ancient circles that dot the British Isles. Suddenly, she is a Sassanach. 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 There it is. <laughs> ha, it's never going to come naturally. Uh, <laughs> anytime it comes up, I'll just point to you and you can Great. say it. Um, okay, suddenly she is a Sassenach, an outlander in a Scotland, in a Scotland torn by war and raiding border clans of the year of our Lord, 1743. Hurled back in time by forces she cannot understand, Claire's catapulted into the intrigues of lairds and spies that may threaten her life and shatter her heart. For here, James Fraser, a young, a gallant young Scots warrior, shows her a love so absolute that Claire <laughs> becomes a woman torn between fidelity and desire, and between two vastly different men and two irreconcilable lives. <laughs> is anyone, first question, is a single human being on Team Frank? No. No. Casey, so we watched it, and he hasn't read the book, and... Uh, he doesn't he wa- need to, because it's he- a word-for-word adaptation. Yeah, so I was like, what? Uh, I was like, I'm watching Outlander. Do you want to watch with me? He's like, sure. So he watched the first three episodes without me. And then I was like, okay, are you... Well, like, I watched the first three episodes. Oh, okay, okay. The first three episodes. okay. So then I was like, are you on Team Frank or Team Jamie? 
And he goes, I don't know, maybe Frank. And I was like, oh my God, Casey is so a Frank guy, actually. That Now that I think <laughs> about it. Here's the thing. It's just like, I have so many complicated feelings about this book. Because objectively... There was so much of it that I was just like, this is unnecessary. Like, she would spend, like, five pages on, like, a tree. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it was like, there was just too, this book is too long. It is too long. Your copy is, like, 800 pages. My copy is a little bit bigger. It's still, like, 700 pages. Like, it's too many pages. <laughs> so much could have been cut out. That yeah. being said... Like, there is an innate thing in me that I'm just like, yeah, the sex scenes fucking crushed. Like, you know what? Yeah, absolutely this hot Scottish guy gets it. Like, he totally, I I understand completely. Yeah. Did did my heart flutter every time Jamie said, I would die for you? I would, (laughs) you are the blood of my blood, my wife? Yes. Absolutely. It's so insane. Like, it's also so insane. Like, can you imagine sitting down and being like, great. She's a World War II nurse. She's going <laughs> to fall through a rock. Then she's going to be in pre-Jacobite Scotland. And she's going <laughs> to fall in love with a Scottish guy. And yeah, he's going to be really fucking hot. So get used to it. And then there's going to be something to do with witchcraft. And then for some reason, they're going to make it their plot to stop the jacobite rebellion that's that's where we're going with this like it makes so much sense that diana is a nerd too because my favorite parts of this are like when he goes to the monastery and like when they start talking about the jacobite history i was like it's the sex scenes in the history for me dog (laughs) yeah like first impressions f like when i first picked this book up i was like i don't know i just like it has everything that I want, which is a historical fiction. It's got the romance. It's got, like, a love triangle, kind of, which I love. Um, and then, but just part of me is like, I, I, there's no way that I have listened to 12 hours of this audiobook. <laughs> and I still have 12 hours left. And then I just, but then I come home on Friday night. And uh, I just, like, set my phone in the other room. Three hours later, I've read 250 pages, and I'm like, what? <laughs> no, and that is somehow, true. I ate the <coughs> shit up. I just, like, gobbled it up. With a goddamn spoon. With a goddamn, With a goddamn spoon. spoon. Like, I... It was my favorite thing to be like, oh, oh my god, I have to read Outlander. Like, I can't believe I have to read this book. And then would, like, go sit there for an hour and be like, well, just read another 150 pages. So, oh my god, it's, like, so bad. But, like, in my head, obviously not. It's it's so funny because just every book that you and I have done, and by the way, the books that we're going to continue to do this month are so on brand me, but... <laughs> Just every book that you and I have done is so, like, not this. It's, like, nonfiction <laughs> or it's something historical or it's something just, like, fascinating about philosophy of life. Yeah. And then to read this, I was just like, this goes against every fiber of my being. And in the beginning, I was really holding on to not liking it. And then just as it went, I was like, I can't help it. I want them to bone. Well, that was like last night we were watching the show and we got to the episode before the wedding and I, and we were going to turn it off. I was like, I'm sorry, we have to watch. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, we simply, we must like, continue. <laughs> like, this is like one of the best written, like, sex scenes ever. Just like, just in the sense of like, having Jamie be a virgin and having him like not really know what to do, but also know what to do. So it's not like not hot and then you're just like it's funny but it's endearing and you're just like god (laughs) it's just it's really i think that she like is very good 
at writing something that's like on the border of being absurd but is still <laughs> grounded in enough like emotional reality that you like buy into it like there yeah. are obviously moments where I'm like Jamie you need to calm down like him being like I feel like god I'm like you gotta chill you had an orgasm babe like that's literally it like you've just simply gotta relax but like it is so funny because you do end up realizing like oh she's writing from the perspective of this guy who's like alive in the 1700s so the fact that he's married this like proto-feminist like warners <laughs> is blowing his fucking mind he's like <laughs> it's such a funny combination it really works and i have yeah. to say like <clears throat> i'm sure we'll get more into the end of the book we can keep talking about the sex scenes but, like, the end of the book is my favorite part because I think that you spend so long kind of, like, buying this, like, wild ride and this, like, ridiculous kind of, like, pairing that is so much larger than life. Mm -hmm. But when she, like, there is something so horrifying about Jack Randall, um, who we haven't mentioned yet, I guess, is a crucial element in that, like, he's... Claire's husband's Frank ancestor, Frank's ancestor, but he's also like this horrible Englishman who's like against Scot Scottish people, period, and is just like super fucking abusive and is awful. But I think that she writes a really interesting villain in him mm -hmm. and like having Jamie go through this like horrifying sexual abuse and like coming out of the other end of it in this monastery where it ends up being a lot of questions about life and about like what we're all doing. Like she kind of sneaks this weirdly fascinating, like universal question in at the end. And yeah. I found it like really intriguing because I think you spend so much of the book being like, this is absurd. I'm loving it because it's absurd. And then she has like the last like the last whatever hundred pages dedicated to this very real very intense kind of experience that they both go through and that personally was my favorite part because it's like yeah i loved the sex scenes but i really loved when they kind of, like she diana was kind of willing to like drop the act and just mm -hmm. like delve into like who these characters are as people and like why they work despite mm -hmm. whatever the chaos around them is Mm -hmm. yeah I think you bring up such an interesting point because like the scene of Claire going to the altar with the monk and monk mm -hmm. priest friar I don't know he's he's, he's he's some he's doing something he's with the a Lord religious man um <laughs> a religious <laughs> a religious man but she you know she's kind of like I don't believe in God like I'm not like a Christian I'm not you know, I'm not, I don't pray. I don't do any of that. Um, but she goes to the altar anyways, and she just sits there and has this moment of reflection and this moment of like internal questioning. And like, I just thought, cause you have the part where she goes, tells Jamie everything. And Jamie takes her to Cragnagoon, Crag, Cragnadoon, Cragnadoon. And he's like, go back if you want, like, you should go back to your life. And then she decides to go with him, which, like, yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she has the, you kind of, like, have that storyline where you're like, <clears throat> yeah, okay, I can, like, see her choosing to stay with him. There's, like, a little bit of that questioning. But then you really have that question of humanity of, like, do I stay and fight for this man who has lost so much of his humanity in just this, in these last couple of days. Mm -hmm. And do I stay on this path of history where I could have a chance to almost rewrite history um, and put my life in danger? Or do I go back to the life that I knew before yet you just know internally, like that's not going to be the same. Like how can you go back to this life married to this man who reminds you of this man that just abused another love of your life. Yeah, I mean, so much of me just wanted to make a joke and go, when the dick that good. But, <laughs> but aside from that, well. aside from that, well, a little bit. Um, no, but I mean, like, I will say, like, 
it's so funny to talk about this book so seriously because obviously like the first instinct is to be like la 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 people think she's a witch like she got vaccinated for smallpox and like it's just it but i will say that like it is such an interesting quandary because it's like okay let's let's say that time travel had the potential to be real you're out of your <clears throat> you're out of what you know completely but it doesn't make you less human and therefore you're still required to have human connection and to like adapt yourself and be a part of this and she sort of at that moment at Craig Nadoon has this realization of like I think I could actually be happier living in this than I ever was in my current existence yeah and it's it's really cool i mean and also like i don't know just going back to the monastery and like that moment of silence because so much of the book ends up being about like it's so much about like violence or uh sex or it's just like all these very big things that happen one right after the other having the book end on this note of like really like a lot of peace and calm and healing it was really I think intelligent and also it makes sense that this is a person who wrote this who is so dedicated to research because the world is so lived in it's not like she just sat there and like went on wikipedia and was like what was the jacobite rebellion she like really makes an effort to say like okay well if he had been hurt he would have gone to a monastery how would he have gone to a monastery he would have known somebody who was a monk how would he have known somebody who's a monk they're related to him like she really thought through every aspect of it and yeah. I think it makes, again, it makes this very outlandish, not, you know, pun not intended, this very outlandish story rooted in some kind of like tangibility that you can, that you can attach to. So it doesn't, because I think like usually my issue with fantasy is I just cannot, I can't get like attached to like fairies and pixies and goblins and all of that. I have a really hard time with it. But so I think this was a a good happy medium for me where it was rooted in enough historical reality that I could buy into it and Mm -hmm. still enjoy the parts that were silly and ridiculous and big. I don't know. The way she writes her characters are so freaking good. And I'm, I'm all for like character building and I think having also having Claire rooted in the 1940s right after World War II, like she could have easily rooted her in 1980 or 1970, but having her rooted in 1940s where she was caring for these crazy war wounds without a lot of help, without a lot of supplies, without like a lot of knowledge, I think applied really well to her abilities to handle these Scots and like what the injuries they were going through, which I also felt like, again, rooted it in something real, like, if I went back to 18th century Scotland and somebody got shot in the leg with a musket, I'd be like, sorry. <laughs> Tough titties. <laughs> yeah. Any, anybody got penicillin? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, it is really interesting. And I think it also is commendable, like the juxtaposition. It's not my favorite part of the book, but I think it's interesting. The juxtaposition with Gaelish. Mm-hmm. who she discovers is somebody who is from 1960, I think, 8 or 67. And yeah. she uh, ends up, Gaelish ends up getting burned at the stake for being a witch. Yeah. And I think it speaks to, like, the values of what time people have come from, right? Because obviously you would assume that Gaelish is from a time when women, I mean, there's the, like, there's the free love thing, there's the hippie thing, there's, like, kind of a lot of, I don't know, trusting one another and optimism and peace and all that. And so you kind of get the naivete of Gaelish, like she's willing to experiment. And because she's following love and she's following optimism in her heart, she kind of suffers for it hugely. Whereas Mm -hmm. Claire, who's from this time of you kind of like keep your head down, you do the work, you don't do anything that would put you in danger or at a risk. You use practicality above all. It is an interesting point. Like, she would get through it faster. That being said, Jamie saves her ass a bunch. But also, she (laughs) saves Jamie's ass a bunch. So, I guess it's equivalent. 
thing is, is at a certain point, I think I found myself being very judgmental and being like, oh, this is ridiculous or, oh, this wouldn't happen or blah, blah, blah. But then I, I thought to myself, like, this is a really hard task to write a book this long and that's so out of reality, that's engaging and actually is somewhat informative of people's psyches at a time that you don't usually uncover at a place you don't usually uncover like I don't think about Jacobite Scotland often it's not really <laughs> on my brain a lot it's not the Roman Empire yeah it's not my Roman Empire um it like it's a real feat and I think that like the fact that she created a movement out of it and she's on 10 books of it shows you that yeah she did a hell of a job character building and world building and it shows like I mm -hmm. you know I have to I have to really pat her on the back for that that someone who like is really i'm super skeptical of this kind of thing and i was drawn in because she did the work and she built characters who were interesting and she did the historical work yeah and i think it like you were saying earlier it's god i know i'm just such a sucker for like if somebody can really build out a character and really build out like a romance that i actually care about and like <laughs> Um, because like I read romance with Sierra and it's fine. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's a brain break. You don't have to think too hard. And there's some, there's some that are much better than others, but yeah. like this felt like I was like watching a movie and like letting it unfold because you have the action, you have the romance and you have this, like you have she escapes and then he has to save her and then he escapes and then she has to save him and then you have like all these different things that are happening and then they meet up and then they fight but then they get back together and then but like the thing like one of my biggest trope pet peeves is like when a guy gets or a gal gets something like bad happens to them and then they get super moody and then for the next 200 300 maybe even a book they're like this really pissed off angry mm. person yeah and so when i read <clears throat> like the abuse scene and then i was like oh no like we're we're going down this road and we went down it for a few you know a couple of pages but the way that diana wrote it was so fascinating because it didn't dwell so much on jamie it more so took the point of view of claire and the surrounding people and how each person in their own way was trying to help Jamie. And, you know, you have, uh, what is it? Murdaugh? Murtaugh, yeah. Murtaugh. They're like trying to, co like trying to coax his best friend to come out. And you have like the monks that are praying over him. And then you have like, you have Claire who just keeps trying to go in, even though he keeps like shooing her out. And so I think like you have that trope, but instead of like instead of it just being like a moody like 300 pages of like i'm going to get revenge it was so much more complicated and it was so much more like oh this is an actual human that's going through this and this is yeah. actual humans that are trying to help him out of it even though yeah. it is far removed from what any of us could have imagined you know and any of us could have lived through it just felt so much more human yeah. and so i think it's just a powerful She's a powerful writer. And again, her research really comes through. And you know that, yes, she wrote a smutty romance <laughs> like about the Highlands that is quite ridiculous in parts and quite ridiculous overall. But like, it's it works because it's well-researched. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I mean, I like... This is this is kind of a spoiler for the TV show, but kind of not. Um, like, the TV show definitely lingers on Jamie's abuse more than the book does. Mm -hmm. Like, they kind of give him more of a, like, PTSD thing in the TV show, which I think is kind of valid because, to be honest, like, the book handles it well, but also by the end of the book has him kind of spick and span and fine, which yeah. I, I don't think is totally real. Like, I don't know that he would have sex with Claire that quickly after he'd been sexually abused in that way. But, like, yeah. I get why it happens at the end of the book. But, like, 
I don't know. My so my favorite scene in the book is when she's setting his hand because I think that like A, it's such a display of who she is as a character that she's just able to zero in on this thing and accomplish it. And it's also so much evidence of the, like, again, the research that Diana did, like, okay, if this was a war nurse, if these were the times that she was in, how would she handle this? How would she take this man's broken hand and set it and make it alive again? But also, like, it's such a demonstration of their intimacy as a couple, because Mm -hmm. even in this moment where this person actively is pushing people away and and can't handle reality and it's not even like alive fully she's there and she's mm-hmm. still like giving herself and he is like accepting of it and i think it's just it's a really like it's a scene that's so emblematic of like why the book works because mm-hmm. you're invested in it for the characters but you're also invested in it because it's like genuinely interesting to learn how someone would set a hand yeah you know so it's like it's that that kind of for me sums up so much of why I ended up really caring was just like okay if someone can talk me through how to like unbreak a hand in the 1700s while also being sexy I'm in (laughs) honestly though kind of slid past John Randall of it all Oh, um, God, I know. We should get into it. But, I, yes, and this is how I'll segue into it. Not very smoothly, as you can tell. Uh, but, John, so, the villain of this book, John Randall, I think is probably, like, one of the best villains mm. I've read because of the fact that he is, and you kind of see it more in the show, but you get it in the book, too, but, like, he is an exact replica of Frank. Yes. Um, and so you have, like, because I think John Randall on his own, if he didn't look like Frank, if he had, if he was just like this random dude, like, he would be almost like too over, like, you're just like, this guy's the worst. Like, he's just abusive. He's just like, oh my God, I, he is the worst and abusive and the worst. But, like, you have this weird, complicated nature yeah. of Claire who is like, I slept with that man. I like married that man. I love this man. And yeah. you have this scene where they're talking um a- after they like go uh with the British army and they're like the British uh, are coming. Yeah, and they're like talking with and Claire's talking with them and then she comes back and it's just her and John Randall and he's telling her the story of him just whipping the crap out of Jamie and you see his true colors and you see like he is just so far he's just lost every single shred of humanity yet you have Claire looking at him and you have that like (laughs) shred of like this is my husband's ancestor and like my husband is this academic this like caring this gentle this man and like even her comparing frank to jamie like frank is much more like no calluses on his hands he's got like the rower's body he's just like this very soft human yeah and you have this compared to this john randall who is as hard as you can be well it's yeah sorry no you're fine but i was just like it's it's a, such a phenomenal way to write a villain because you can go so hard in how brutal he was, yet you still have that tie back to Frank. And I think it makes it that like that complicated nature that you need for a character this way that is like this brutal, this terrible, this awful. It's very interesting, too, because the book starts with Frank going into his ancestry and talking about John Randall as a part as his ancestor and then Claire meets him later down the line and it's that really amazing question right that like every history nerd has which is like yeah these people are fascinating to learn about but what if I had to actually have dinner with this person and what if I had to actually like encounter them and I think John Randall is probably the best example in this book of how the 1700s differ from the 1900s 
And I think that the choice to make Jamie's back such a like important theme throughout the book, like this person who is willing to suffer so much and will not give up at the cost of his at the cost of possibly his life. It's it's really harrowing. And I think John Randall as a as a person, it's like he's he's emblematic of this army that colonized these people and forced them into a country they did not want to be. And just, it's like, it's just, it's horrifying to watch him think that he can brutalize Scots and brutalize women and, and brutalize everyone around him to form into this warped sense of reality that he has. And the added element of him being juxtaposed with this person who is, his you know kin and this very kind like sort of academic shy person it's really fascinating because it it's i mean and honestly like not to be dramatic about it but i do think it's kind of a very original perspective that i haven't really read about a lot in books which is like who are your ancestors what did they do why are you here now what did they have to do for you to be here now because a lot of the world has been really fucked up in how it's been created and chances are someone who you're related to has been responsible for hurting or killing another individual at the expense of their country or their land mm -hmm. and that's a really in intense thing to reckon with mm -hmm. so what if you had to reckon with that face to face what would you do Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting question. Like, how how does your humanity extend? And I mean, it it gets way more interesting in book books two slash season two. But I I won't talk about it further. No, that's behind the paywall. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Diana just did such a phenomenal job of answering that question in a way. Um. And being like, what is the worst case scenario? <laughs> like, what your ancestor would be. Yeah, who, um, what if your ancestor was the worst person ever? <laughs> yeah, but you also get, like, that interesting view of, you know, they're doing research on him. And they're like, wow, he was, like, a war general. He was, like, you know, fighting for this. And, he, oh, my gosh. And, like, or, like, a war captain and all this stuff. And you have like Frank doing that research on him. And then when you meet him, it's like the things you are romanticizing are the things that just make him brutal. Yeah. And so it's fascinating to like, like see how the history has turned. Well, um, it's, it's interesting. Cause like when I first started studying history in my undergrad, like a big thing that they talked about was like, why do you think that history for so long has been told from the perspective of the winners and the heroes? And like, who are those people really? Because we think of these quote unquote great men, which I think now more than ever is being analyzed and, and shown that they are not really great people. That in fact, they were often really awful people, but it's, he's the ultimate example of that. It's like, you know, th this is this person who in the history books has been written as this sort of like admirable general who really did a lot for England and really like unified Scotland with England. And in reality was just using his position to hurt and kill and make others suffer at, at you know, the expense of quote unquote England. And it's mm -hmm. like, we sit here and we learn about so many people and we go to museums and we see portraits of so many people and we read about so many people, but these people ultimately were real life, were real people and lived real lives and did things that you probably wouldn't have agreed with. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to have to reckon with this person who I'm looking at and talking to is responsible for the way that I live my life in a small way. 
he fought for my country to look the way that it does and for us to have the customs that we do. And yet he's brutal and horrifying. And so what does that say about the country that I grew up in and the values that I hold? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's making Claire confront. And I think honestly, it's kind of why Diana has her stay in the past. It's like, she's all of a sudden confronted with the reality of what living in England in the 1940s is created from. And mm -hmm. maybe she doesn't like that. And maybe she wants to fight for something different that would allow for more people to have independence and in their lives again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you have that all tied back to like her, at least especially with the show, but you have her tied back to like looking in that mirror, seeing that vase and being like, I can finally buy a vase because we finally have a house yeah. after fighting years and being separated from my husband and seeing war and seeing pain. And then you're transferred back into this world where again, you're fighting that war and you know that the next, like, that's what's crazy is, you know, that next year, like shit's going to go down and like yeah. war is going to break out. And like, that is just unfathomable like to have that knowledge and be like like next year's gonna be wild <laughs> like <laughs> well it's and it's like so the question that all of us have asked ourselves which is like you know it's the question of like people who are like oh well i would go back and kill hitler or like i yeah. would go back and i would like find the person who was shooting martin luther king and like you know yeah. like things like that where it's like if you actually had the opportunity to make change would you be brave enough to do so and would you would you choose to do it because yeah. the life that you lived may not look the same but yeah you have the potential to create a better one and i think it's a really intriguing question of like what yeah. what's the way to go here because is is your life as it was valuable enough that you're willing to like watch so many people die and have their lives destroyed. I mean, yeah. I think the answer would be no. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if I could face what, or like, I don't know if I would be brave enough to like risk what would actually happen. Yeah. Like what would the new future look like? Yeah. But I don't know. Fascinating. I don't questions. know. It's just another interesting question that Diana Gabadell wanted to ask. Yep. Well, I love it. Let's end on an existential question because that's way too fun. Yes. Um, so, final rating. I do you want me to go first or do you want to go I think that you should go first. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a big old sigh. Um, I gave it a five out of five. No wow. Call. I'm sorry, but, like, I I wrote in it. I was, like, thinking, like, I think I should give it, like, a four. And then I was like, you know what? Any <laughs> author who can make me read an 850-page book like it was a 150-page novella deserves a five out of five. <laughs> like, this shit, like, I love the characters. I love the plot. I think, like you said, it has this touch of real like realism this like touch of humanity this touch of like existential questions of faith of uh of love of like do you touch the future do you not like of your ancestors i just think like it's such a deeper book than just this smutty highlander historical fiction romance that i love but that it just added that extra level <clears throat> and since it's the first book in a series, I will have ask you the same question, but would you read the rest of the series based on this first book? Absolutely. I would, I, I'm going to thrift books and I will buy uh, the next book in this series because I'm just invested in the characters. I want to know what happens. And um, I do say, I will say I hate the trope of like, I'm pregnant, but interested to see what uh, a baby um in this type of life will look like so yeah i'm here i just loved it i i i loved reading it i love the experience i'm giving it a five out of five i love it 
Can I make one other point very quickly that I yeah. forgot uh, that I was going to talk about? <laughs> I just really, really quickly want to touch on the girl who Jamie kind of has a fling with before Claire. Oh, yeah. La- um, La- I do not remember her name. Lar. It's something Gaelic. Or, La- I'm sorry. Larry. Ga- La- Gaelic. Because, fun fact, if it's Scottish, it's Gaelic. And if it's Irish, it's Gaelic. But, oh. yeah, the more you know. <laughs> Um, I want to say it's like Larry or Larry. It's or... not Larry. <laughs> Larry, sorry. <laughs> but I love the idea of it, so let's call her Larry for right now. Okay, Larry. <laughs> Larry. But I do just want to make a brief comment on her because I think that it's very emblematic of Diana wrote her in because that is what a average woman in that era would have been, and Claire has this experience and has this knowledge because she was allowed to have that in her era and that had she been alive in the 1700s and grown up in it she wouldn't have been given the same knowledge she wouldn't have been given the same opportunity and i think that the juxtaposition of both is very interesting because this one girl has a lot of beauty and youth but she has none of the intelligence that is offered to claire and it's a really I don't know. I just find it a fascinating commentary of like these two very different people and why one of them was not given what the other has purely because of what she existed in. Yeah. And even the hardening of Claire that hasn't happened to yeah. Larry. Yeah, uh, to Larry. Anyway, <laughs> side note. No, but, love um, it. I, I'm glad you added that. Very fascinating. Thank you. Um, but I'm going to give this book a four out of five. I really liked it. I'm very invested. That's high high for listeners if you've ever uh, read a book with Ella. Yeah, true. (laughs) I actually am. I'm toughy. Especially fiction. (laughs) Especially fiction. But I think that she was committed to her character. She was committed to the research. She was committed to telling a fully thought out story. And I really respected that. And yeah, it went quick. Like, you know, the sex scenes were sexing it up. The history scenes were historying it up. The action scenes were actioning it up. Like she, she got through those very long pages, but I think it was just too long. Like even, <laughs> yeah. even though it went fast, I really could have done with like two hundred less pages, and it would have been a five out of five for me. Because there are just yeah. aspects of it that I just didn't need or I didn't care about as much, and I felt like they were just drawing away from the central plot line and i i just didn't i didn't get invested in any b storylines as much so i think in an ideal world it would be 200 pages less and mm-hmm. that's that's why i'm giving it a 4 i think it's it's a fair. great book that's just too long it, it's so fair well let's get into pairings Cocktails, TV shows, books, movies that might pair well with today's book, Outlander. Start with a drink. You want me to go? Um, I did Rhenish wine because that's what they're drinking. Oh, yeah, baby. I mean, Mm -hmm. what am I going to do other than whiskey? It has to be whiskey. (laughs) It has to be whiskey. Just a side note, um, the guy who plays Jamie on the TV show, Sam Hewen, does a show with the guy who plays, um, I think, Dougal. Dougal, and they, yeah. Yeah, with Dougal. And they just, like, tour Scotland and drink whiskey. And that's, like, the whole show. And it's not my pairing, but it is a really fun way to make you be like, maybe I maybe I like whiskey. And I still don't like whiskey. But it is a yep. Scottish thing. Men in kilts. Men in um, kilts. I was going to say I have a love-hate relationship with whiskey. It's veering more on love. It's just... They, I, I go to like drink it like they do in the shows and you're just like <laughs> smooth real smooth and you're like oh. you're like I, I can't I, I love it only, if I can't taste it yeah the only whiskey that I can drink like smooth like sip it is like a peanut butter whiskey and that doesn't count yeah <laughs> I mean, the Scots would be appalled, Jenna. They would be appalled. It's okay. Um, TV show. Okay. Game of Thrones. That's good. I almost did that one. I Game of Thrones is the one other fantasy thing in my life that has made me fully invested. 
and I have never read the books, so I can't speak to them. But that show, I mean, obviously until the last season, the real ones know, is brilliant. And it is just like, it really makes you grounded in a totally absurd, fantastical world because of the performances and because of the writing. And, uh, you know, I mean, what more can I say than The Red Wedding? Like, it just is a cultural masterpiece at this point, And everyone should see it at some point in their life. Absolutely. I did I did Rain. This is one I've used before, but I felt like it fit. So it's it's late 16th century France. So <laughs> not allowed. A little bit off. Not allowed. <laughs> but the reason I chose it uh, was because it follows Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, yeah. She tries to assimilate into the French court. Um, and I think like her journey is uh, is kind of following Claire's in the sense of she's, you know, foreigner coming into this court where she doesn't know anyone. People are out to get her. They want her power. They want, uh, you know, they want to make sure that she doesn't take over the throne yet. You know, spoiler alert, she does. Uh, spoiler but, alert, it doesn't go well. <laughs> no, it doesn't for anyone involved. Um, yeah. <laughs> But you just have this strong female character who's just trying to enact change in a land that she doesn't quite know. Um, and, you know, it's Mary Queen of Scots. So, Scott. R.I.P. Mary Queen of Scots. You were beheaded <laughs> too soon. Um, <laughs> too soon. Too young. <laughs> I'm going to do the um, 2022 adaptation of Lady Shatterley's Lover. Oh, starring. You already did that one. Did I really? I'm doing yeah. it again. Or starring... maybe Sierra did it. Sorry. Continue. I don't feel like I did it. Maybe I did. I'm a little maybe. bit obsessed with this movie. So maybe I did, but it may that's have fine. Been Sierra. Sorry. We'll um, <laughs> Emma Corrin and Jack O'Connell. Emma Corrin, famously the first iteration of Diana in The Crown, and Jack O'Connell, famously Cook from Skins, for anybody who's been a Skins fan. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, again, it's like this classic romance novel. <laughs> To be fair, this was written in the 20s, so got some years on Diana. But it's one of these things where I kind of went into it being like, oh, this is going to be cheesy. It's going to be like a classic English romance. And I don't know the, the way that this adaptation works. First of all, the sex scenes are great. I'm just going to throw that out there. But second of all, <laughs> Jenna's giving the yes sign. Um, second of all... I think that the way that they give these characters a sense of loneliness and love within each other is really admirable. And it's kind of this fantastic story of these two people who are so lonely, who at first find solace in each other, but then realize that they're actually in love with each other. And I think it's kind of reminiscent of Claire and Jamie and that Claire and Jamie are two people who marry each other, not because they necessarily love each other, but because it's out of convenience and necessity at first and come to really love one another. And I think that Lady Shirley's lover has similar themes. And I also think like, look, we're humans. Sex is a point of togetherness for many people. And I think it's really interesting to read this book that was written at a time when sex was even more taboo than it is now and show how intimacy, physical intimacy can be a source of connection for people who, I don't know, are very isolated. And uh, lol, that's also 1700 Scotland. So that's my <laughs> well, draw. Yeah. Hashtag let's talk about sex, baby. Um, <laughs> hashtag you and me <laughs> my book uh, is also a subtle plug to an episode we have recorded before oh my god I think we're going to say the same thing go on kindred yep we were going to say the same thing yep uh, you have the time travel you have the ancestors you have the phenomenal main character you have the character building the world building uh, instead you have uh, instead of going to 18th century Scotland, you have our main character in Kindred going to colonial America, uh, South. Maryland. The colonial South. South. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, interesting question. Why is Kindred sci-fi and this fantasy? Same I don't diff. know. Question. Uh, we'll put it out to our uh, to our audience, see if they can answer it. Because that's, yeah. Huh. I never thought about that. Go on. Well, now I'm stuck. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, linking to the episode in our show notes, so you can go and listen to that one right after this one. Uh, very similar themes, though, so... Similar themes, I would say that Claire, as a white English woman, gets to bone a hot Scottish guy and kind of, yes, be tormented at some stages, but really overall be pretty chill. Whereas uh, the main character in Kindred is a black woman who has to assimilate into a life of slavery while also surviving. So very different themes, I would say, but similar in plot. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) plot. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're right. It's um yeah, can you a little more <laughs> Sorry, that was so funny. No, 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 but you are right. <laughs> Kindred is a little bit more uh hardcore for our main character who loses an arm. Yeah, so. Kindred is I would say like forcing America to sort of confront its racist past, whereas Outlander's sort of like Jacobites are here, but like we're having sex a bun <laughs> amongst the grass. Yeah. More like a funny little time. Yeah. Having a funny little time with Jack Butts. <laughs> it's so funny. It's actually crazy to think about the fact that, like, this is when I get nerdy because it's like the Jacobite Rebellion happened and then, like, a century later, like, the gold rush happened. Like, what are we all talking about? Like, what are we all talking about? Bro. <laughs> oh god um read kindred though that was gonna be my book recommendation it's so good and octavia butler is amazing and i just (sighs) we had such a great time reading that book and i just oh my god i really could talk endlessly about it but we already did so So go listen listen. to the episode (laughs) (laughs) uh movie (laughs) this one came out of left field for me oh yeah you didn't do your movie yeah wait did you do your movie yeah lady shatterly's lover wait what was your book kindred oh we oh got it okay we both did you just went movie got it you went rogue i went rogue sorry i just gave it thrones and then (laughs) um (laughs) it's fine great (laughs) uh this will be a fun edit so my movie (laughs) my movie is brave uh the animated classic from 2012 Merida. It's so good. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorites. She's my favorite Disney princess. Um, I don't care what you say. What's her big line? I know what it is. Ready? 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 If you had the chance to change your fate, would ya? <laughs> it's so good. What's I that mean, movie even have... about? It's set in the Scottish Islands, uh, if you were wondering. Um, yeah. But it's about Merida, whose father is uh, the head of a clan. So you have the clans that are... Um, there and so she is uh must take a husband from another clan to forge a uh a partnership but she does not want to marry she doesn't want to wear a dress so she goes off into the woods um and she ends up meeting a witch who turns her mother into a bear right and then she has to turn her mother uh into a human again in a way it's kind of like brother bear and outlander married each other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah if you've ever seen I, brother bear and wondered why isn't this more scottish <laughs> and we just found our pull quote for the episode <laughs> um if you had the yeah. chance to change your fate uh, would, would you? it's it's just perfection it's just perfection the album the um the theme song that she's writing and like shooting the arrows to it's just so good i'm sorry but is it not but it's just not sing me a song. Oh, my love. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Merida has nothing on the Outlander theme song. This was uh, us chatting about Outlander. On that note, we didn't even say, but like, watch the Outlander TV show. It's good. Yeah, it's if you want. If you want a word for it, if you don't even want to read the book, watch the show. Watch the show. Watch Sam Hewen's butt.
I know. I was like, it's showtime. We might get full frontal. And then <laughs> we did. didn't, but we got so close. <laughs> so close. So many times. I just love his giddy little smile when he was like, dude, he's so fire. It's redonkulous. Well, <laughs> tune in next month as we'll review. We review. We're reading I'm... Bell Hooks next month. It's a different energy completely. Oh, <laughs> Bell Hooks. All about love. <laughs> Yeah, so we're sort of, like, going from Scottish porn to kind of, like, a deep dive into, like, why human beings love and how human beings love. So join us then. So join us. If you like this episode, not sure you'll like the next one. Yeah. Really <laughs> different vibes. Uh, bye now. Bye. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. That's at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. This episode is a JB Media production produced and edited by Jenna Weston. Give me a song of the last that we-